You're listening to a best of Grill Nation. Successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Everybody over there. Get a Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation, always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to Grill Nation here on KMBZ 980 AM. I am your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today. As always, I appreciate it. It's going to be an awesome show today and I'm very excited to have you listening on line on iTunes or via the radio today. I want to quickly thank our partners and supporters before I introduce our two awesome guests that we're going to have on the show today. Uh, title sponsors of the Grill Nation show are Trust, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Companies and Ryan Rink. Contributors to the Grill Nation show and on-air guest co-hosts are Ryan Maybe from the Rieger and Jay Rieger & Co., One Light Luxury Apartments as well. Thank them all for being partners and supporters. You can check out their websites and get more information about them at grillnationshow.com. On today's show, we are going to start out with Andrew Cameron, who's the owner and founder of Donatology, a awesome donut shop here in the Kansas City area. I'm looking forward to him telling us more about that. And uh, I'm hopeful, and actually I'm seeing right now that he has brought in uh, – at least, uh, let's see here, at least 24 different types of, uh, of donuts, and they are amazing, and I can't wait to share these with uh, everyone in the office and with our other guests today. After uh, Andrew, we're going to have on Matt Druton, who's the managing director and co-founder of Edison Spaces. It's a, a really cool space, uh, offices down in uh, Overland Park, Private, fully furnished team offices with monthly rental rates. Each office is driven by industry-leading technology and includes business class amenities. Their website is edisonspaces.com. Uh, Matt is also the president, or former president and CFO of Freightquote, a company that sold uh, a few years ago for over $300 million. So we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, his journey, and also get into the why Edison Spaces is unique, and there's nothing like it here in the Kansas City area. So he'll be joining us uh, in segments three and four today after we talk now to Andrew Cameron, who is the founder of Donatology. Uh, he's also been the owner of other donut shops here in Kansas City. Is that correct, Andrew? Yeah, I own Six Daylight Donuts as well. Six Daylight Donuts as well. Welcome to the show, Andrew Cameron from Donatology. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, first off, let's uh, talk about your background. Um, you know, How did you get into this? Where did you grow up at? Are you, I, I noticed you're a uh, Creighton alum as well. Yeah, Kansas, Kansas City, born and raised, nice. uh, then ventured up to Omaha for school. Nice and, Jesuit University. I, I went to St. Louis University myself. Oh, right on. So similar kind of great basketball schools, cool inner city campuses, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah, I mean, I originally went up there to be a doctor, and here I am doing donuts. <laughs> really? Really, yeah. So you grew up here in the Kansas City area, went to college there, and then what the heck happened after college? You didn't, yeah, you, you I mean, couldn't become a doctor. Throughout summer camp, I... Uh, or throughout uh, college, I worked at a summer camp, and we uh, got donuts all the time. I just loved donuts. I had never cooked a donut in my life mm-hmm. before I opened my donut shop. But after school, I uh, wanted to go into business for myself. So I'm like, you know, 
it'd be really fun to start a donut shop. This was when you were pretty young then. Right out of college. Really? And that that is that's unique, right? I mean, nobody's nobody usually at least probably back when we were getting out of college was like, I'm gonna start my own company. I mean it just doesn't didn't happen back then. You went to work for a big company or you went to grad school at that point, right? Yeah, entrepreneurship is a big deal to my generation and the generation after me. It's bigger than ever, really. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so tell us about your first venture. So you you owned um, Daylight Donuts of Kansas City. What uh, you Tell me about that. Six of them, correct? Correct. And it uh, just culminated, and I had never cooked a donut in my life. I love donuts. I'm going to open a donut shop. And we opened our first store in Leavenworth, Kansas, and it went really well. So we just kept going. And but going. was this a was it a typical donut shop, or was it a? It's definitely not what you're doing now, correct? It, that wasn't. Yeah, it's more like a traditional donut shop. I mean, we did build it in an old house, and then our next one in Lansing was in a old car wash. You literally drive your car through our our donut shop and, and point in the window uh, what donuts you'd like. That's pretty innovative. Yeah, and then uh, maybe that maybe that maybe that'll <laughs> catch on at some point. That an old car wash that you pointed into windows when you drove through. What a what a that I've never heard of anything like that. That's unique. Yeah, I'm huge on experience, and yeah. um, our Olathe store was in an old bank. So I mean, we try and and do things that are a little different. That's always kind of been in our DNA. Mm-hmm. What it, it, so when you did this, I mean, it, it, this was. Early 2010-ish, 11-ish, when you started kind of owning all these, what was the what was the market like then? I mean, because you have your big donut shops, right, that are international, national franchisees. Um, what was it like? I mean, I feel like donut stores still are kind of local. Yeah, I mean, we've seen since our inception the market change for donuts. Um, back then, you know, the only players you really knew were Krispy Kreme and Dunkin' Donuts and whatever – frozen donuts you found at your grocery store. Um, but starting in 2013, 14, uh, the craft donut took a kind of a rise. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because it seems to me that the healthy, uh, food world is, is growing. We're seeing fast food restaurants have many healthy options. Why is it that donuts of, of all things kind of became more popular? Obviously, I the- mean, you kind of, you kind of grabbed onto a market that, you know, for all intents and purposes, could have been dying with, I mean, I remember when bagels became big when I was in college. Bagels were the healthiest thing you could eat, right? Carbs, <laughs> sure. bagels, cream cheese, let's do it. Uh, and then that's, uh, that kind of took a little fall here with this health-conscious non-carb movement. How the heck do donuts uh, continue to grow? Yeah, it's really interesting. Obviously, we look at the, the health market, and the the interesting about the donut industry is that it's never gone down. Despite all the health crazes, it's actually continuously grown for over a century. It's not crazy spikes of growth, but it's it's a constant uphill uh, growth trajectory. So, um, you know, we, we've never really had to deal with any downturns, even um, when the economy's not doing so hot. Um, most people can still afford a 99 cent donut. Mm hmm. Andrew Cameron is our guest, founder of Donutology and owner of Six Daylight Donuts here in the Kansas City area, joining me today on Grill Nation Show. Before we get into kind of everything about Donutology, we'll do that in our next segment. We'll take you through some of these donuts and, and some of the unique things you've done with some local companies. Uh, and it's again, it's about experience. 
tell us when you decided to do this and make that move uh, to uh, fancy fancy donuts and how how did that all come about for you and why did you decide to do that when you already had six other promising uh, locations? Yeah, we were looking at the market. We loved the craft donut experience. And the problem with the traditional donut shops is once you ran out of donuts, you were out. So as this happened for the millionth time one day and the customers get really angry when you run out of their favorite donuts, I decided, you know what, I'm going to make a donut shop that stays open all day long and never runs out of donuts. And it's going to be an amazing interactive experience. And that's how Donutology was born. Mm -hmm. Donutology's website is donutology.com. They have their menu, their story, and their press on the website. Andrew Cameron is with me. Uh, Andrew, on your next segment, I want to talk about that experience and your local partnerships and, you know, kind of your location, the why, and, and hopefully draw some entrepreneurial advice from you. Uh, and also talk about an award that you recently received uh, with a global competition here, if you would. Uh, after the break on Grill Nation, more with Andrew Cameron, founder of Donut Listening to a best of Grill Nation. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I appreciate you sticking with us today on 980 AM KMBZ and as well at uh, GrillNationShow.com and on iTunes via podcast. And with Brian Sarr from True Wealth and Company, the president and chief investment officer uh, at that great company here in Kansas City. He's guest hosting, contributing today. His uh, website is RetireWithTrue.com. And, and Brian, great conversation so far with Jasper. Jasper's restaurant. In Kansas City is jasperskc.com, won a lot of awards. But I think you want to take this up. I want you to start off with the story and kind of, uh, you know, the ups and downs of starting a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, you know, your your grandfather, Leonardo, and your dad, Jasper, who the, the restaurant's named after, um, I just want to learn what were some of the initial struggles that you saw or you heard them talk about, and how did that shape uh, you as, as you run your restaurant today? Well, I look back now and I see what my grandparents went through and what my mom and dad went through. And those are lessons that I carry on today. And I try to teach my nephew and, uh, and even my, my key employees and people who've been with us for a long time, because I think if they know the story and the struggles they had back in the day, when you're only getting 69 cents for a, uh, a dish of pasta. And of course, when you're, uh, you're selling a whole pizza pie, that's what they used to call them back then for, uh, 89 cents. And trying to survive on the little bit of profit that you do make uh, in the restaurant business because people don't realize. Everybody sees, wow, you have this grand restaurant, and I can just imagine <laughs> the money that this restaurant must take in. They don't realize the insurance, the rent, you know, your glass breakage, you know, and just everything just accumulates. And at the end, you're probably better off getting a job somewhere right. than uh, than owning a restaurant. But my father stuck with it, and my and I'll tell you what, he was – one tough guy, and we always have a saying around the restaurant. We still talk about it every day at the restaurant. It's called Moto Mio, and it means my way in Italian. And it was just my father's way of running the business. He was self-taught. I went to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, restaurant and hotel school. Leonard went to Denver University. We're lucky. We're fortunate. We have all the – we're book smart. My dad was street smart with the restaurant business and how to make relationships back in the 1950s, which were a lot easier now – it's a little bit more difficult, but, you know, we had the bread company and the, and the pasta company you work with. 
and making deals back then, which now is, you know, it's part of the business, but everything was on a handshake back then. And you trusted everybody. When did you know you wanted to be a chef? Oh, I know myself. I was six years old. I used to hang around Nana's house and sitting on the counter, watching her get six or seven ingredients and put this beautiful dish together that we would all sit around the table and enjoy. It's in my blood. I can only imagine sitting around your house oh my and God. just trying all the food and all the, the, the experimentation and that. I mean, that's just got to be a, a hoot to, to, for the holidays at your house. Oh, it was funny because we used to have in the basement of the, of the new house, we called it, on uh, 112th Street. My dad had a working kitchen in the basement, a wheel, which we called the wheels, the expediter wheel uh, in the basement. And also, I'm telling you, a table that sat maybe 24, 24, and we'd always put about 30 chairs around it. And the platters of food and the late night talking. And my dad taking notes. You know, we try a new dish. I'll never forget that's how Chicken Frederico came. It's featured in the cookbook. I had a little bit of this. No, take this out. And everybody's comments. Mm-hmm. And even the other night, it's funny, Sunday night we had dinner, and the same priest is with our family, Father Markleski. My sister-in-law made the sauce, made the pasta sauce Sunday because I didn't feel like cooking. I had other things. I, I prepared other things. And Marco was sitting at the head of the table just like Daddy used to. And um, he looked at my sister-in-law and he said, I give you a 97. And I said, whoa. I said, Marco's grading now. He's grading Vicky, the <laughs> sister-in-law, you know. And he said, just like Jasper used to tell us, I'll never give you a 100 because then you have nothing to, start, go, to work for. Right. So this way you can work on a few things. And she said, really? I said, there's nothing to work on, Vicky. He's just playing with you. But can you imagine being graded <laughs> yeah, on yeah. your dinner? Yeah. Most people just throw the food right at you and say, I'm out of here. You know, so. Tastes good. It tastes good. But I, 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 I learned more than anything, family and working with family. Mm-hmm. And it, sometimes it's not easy. I work with my nephew and my brother, and uh, I mean, long days. And 3J, right? And 3J. And, 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 it's, uh, and what's your brother's name? Uh, Leonard. Leonard, that's right. And they run the daily operations while I'm out doing the interviews, out doing the advertising, doing the cooking shows and everything. <laughs> but they're in the trenches. Some nights, you know, it could be. That causes friction, night. doesn't it, sometimes? No, not real. They understand. Leonard's older. Leonard doesn't get behind the stove, so there's no friction there. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard runs the office. And, and, but he's back there expediting. And my nephew, he's putting the hours in that I put back in when I was 38 years old. I'm 56 years old, and I told him there, and I said, Jay, man, I'm, I'm a little tired. And he's Uncle Jay. I've worked for you now with you all these years. You've never said you were tired. I said, well, don't tell nobody. I said, no, just, <laughs> keep it we'll just keep it between us. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You have to have a family that my father taught me to, to work with you. Well, when and, you talk about family and your community and all the friends and everybody that was surrounded the restaurant at 75th and Warnell, sure. and then for your grandpa and your dad to sell that location and move to where you're at today, talk about – I mean, that had to have been just a really uh, tough struggle for the family to make that move. It was tough. Uh, you know, Papa had already passed away, and the restaurant really was Leonard, myself, and my dad. And we had Marco Polo's Italian Market. We had the Trattoria. We had Il Cafe, and we had Jasper's. And when Walgreens came around, I'll never forget, I was in Disney World, and I got the phone call in 1996 from Leonard saying, hey, we just got an offer for the business. That's Leonard. Are you serious? We're not going to sell this restaurant. There's no way in the world. First of all, there's no way they can match what our salaries were at the time. And the restaurant was already known as a mobile four-star, triple-A, four-diamond restaurant. I mean, back then, people would fly in to have dinner at the restaurant. Mm. And, I mean, it was pretty – we were on the map back then. Uh, such people as Mitzi Gaynor and Ed McMahon. Anybody who came to town ate at Jasper. Sports figures. Presidents. We had President Ford at the restaurant. Come on. So 
long story short, a year went on and negotiating my father, I'll tell you, my dad was a tough negotiator with, uh, with Mr. Walgreen. And he dealt with Mr. Walgreen himself because Walgreens wanted a specific corner in Kansas City, as you know. Yes. Now, highly desirable. Now it's not a big deal. Waldo, they, right? Yeah. Okay. And they wanted 75th and Warnell because of, uh, because of CVS across the street. It wasn't CVS back then. It was, uh, it was, uh, Osco. Osco drug, yeah. And it was like, you know, like a little war. Now it's between CVS. And my dad put his price out there and would not budge one single bit. My dad got his price plus more and we paid employees while we were closed, which is unheard of. And so we can open a new restaurant. That's fabulous. And that's how we kept the employees. What year was that? That was 1997. Okay. And it took one year to build a new restaurant. I was against it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come around and tell you, um, no way in the world can we give up this fine dining restaurant, the chandeliers, the Murano crystal, uh, all the silverware, the fine china, the tuxedo waiters. My dad saw the future. I didn't. And I admit it right now to everyone. I did not understand why are we leaving this to go. And my dad said, because you're not out. You go on vacation once a year. You don't see what's going on around us. The restaurant's expanding and what they're doing in Kansas City. And my dad was the first one really to close a fine dining restaurant in Kansas City. Then it just kind of was a trickle-down effect in Kansas City with other restaurants finally closing the American, EBT, Savoy Grill, you know, the higher-end restaurants. Because people just weren't going to pay that money and dress up like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And we were criticized when we opened up on 75th Street. Let me tell you, the old timers came in and we didn't have the tuxedos on and we took the tablecloths off. And, but we still had the Jasper's touch and that's what I call it. We still had that, that one thing that nobody else can really compete with us. And that was the family being there. And it's called myth, Mirabli in the house. And from the time <laughs> we open until the time we close, there's a Mirabli in the house, whether it's my brother, my nephew, even if we had to call in my wife and my brother Sammy had a heart attack, there's always a Mirabli in that restaurant. Well, I know that uh, running a, running a restaurant sometimes when you're sitting there as a, as a patron, you know, enjoying a fine meal and and enjoying service and all that, you, you think, boy, it sure is easy to run a restaurant. Oh, sure. Uh, but you know, I know having worked uh, catering for four years to help pay my way through college, that it's anything but uh, wonderful. Uh, and so, talk about the backside of the restaurant, the back I, end that nobody sees. I mean, it'd be great to walk in every morning and see your eight cooks all lined up perfect in uniform my four cashiers just lined up and the walls are perfect and and the dishwasher is just running just very very quietly and everybody's just walking around that's a dream yeah you know is it ever going to happen no do i want it to happen no because that's the challenge i have every day you don't know what goes on behind the scenes at a restaurant people i take them for a tour and they're just like their eyes are wide open they go wow i had no idea you know, you have someone on, on the microphone constantly. We don't do the new, the new way with guys with the little eye bobs in their ears and, uh, not eye bobs, what it's called. Mm -hmm. Earbuds. Uh, ear, ear, yeah, earbuds. Yeah, earbuds. I got eye bobs yeah. in my glasses. And, uh, <laughs> we don't have, you know, all the computers and the fancy machines we do, but you still hand in a ticket to the, to place your order. Right. A person still orders that, uh, dish and that dish is checked before it leaves the kitchen. That's unheard of today. Mm -hmm. So we still do things the old fashioned way. What goes on now in the restaurant business still went on in 1954. The same thing the way my father ran that restaurant in the kitchen, we do the same thing today. Jasper, we got about a minute 30 left in the set, but you mentioned uh, Sunday pasta and cooking. Oh, uh, yeah, tell, you said pasta. I love it. Come on. Tell us what your favorite Italian dish is if you had to choose one. Uh, rigatoni with mama's meatballs and sausage. I mean, of all the pasta dishes, the puttanesca, the matrashana, the clam sauce, all the, the Tuscan ragus, I still go back. To the old Sunday sauce, I call it, mm -hmm. just slow simmered with the meatballs. Because Sunday morning, you wake up, you smell meatballs cooking. 
Mm. You come downstairs, you have fried meatballs. And then about 2, 3 o'clock, you have your pasta dish. Eight, 9 o'clock at night, we have fried pasta. And my daughter still, we talk about that because she's in Jacksonville now. And we still talk about frying pasta late at night in a little Tupperware and you put it in the frying pan. That smell, you know, I think about all that, about going back in time. And I still, that same smell, that same sauce. When my nephew and I went to Sicily the last time, my nephew sits down. He takes a bite of the pasta dish. He looks at me. He says, Uncle Jay, it tastes just like home. Mm-hmm. I said, Jay, you are home. Here's where the recipes <laughs> came is, from. This is, this is the is actual it. spot. And you get that feeling over it. And then you, when you could do that again and replicate that same dish, sometimes you can't do that with, with other things. I'm not talking about dishes, but in business. Mm-hmm. Pasta, it brings everybody together. Come on, you put it at the table. That's, I love it. That's my life. Gosh. Wish, wish we had that right now in front of oh, us. Oh, yeah, I feel yeah. guilty. Don't, tell me I don't feel guilty. Like I'm not bringing you some you got to rub that in every segment, yeah, aren't come you? Come on. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> now it's meatballs, cannolis, meatballs, you know. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Uh, thanks for listening to the Grill Nation show. We're going to be right back after the break with more Brian Sarf, and we're going to have talk to Jasper more about his business and probably have some more fun questions here after the break. You're listening to Grill Nation. Listening to a best of Grill Nation. Welcome back to the show, Grill Nation. Here on 980 AM KMBZ and on iTunes via podcast. I'm your host Jason Grill. We're talking to Chase and Holly McAnulty with Charlie Hustle, CharlieHustle.com. They have a shop on the Plaza. They also have a shop in Lawrence, don't you? We sure do. Tell <laughs> us about that because I read about that, and uh, you're just taking on a lot more things. You're you're your alma mater. How's that going? And what oh, was that? So exciting. That was was that a you done so many great things with them that they just you decided to go for it is it in the bookstore where's it at um that one kind of fell in our lap in a really great way at the perfect time we have been wanting KU's license for years and it took us three years to get it and then last March um, McLean's bakery here in Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, they reached out to us they were expanding to Lawrence to do a McLean's market there and they wanted to bring in a local retail store. So they reached out to us, and boom, just perfect. Yeah, and the week before, I was actually up in Lawrence looking at spaces. I mean, this whole thing started from wanting to see something else in the market up in, up at KU. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a full circle thing. Definitely full circle. Very cool. Yeah. I got to tell you guys, I was the first state representative or politician to ever have a cool T-shirt. <laughs> Everything was gilded, and it was cotton, hundred percent cotton. And I, American Apparel had just started, I think, or uh-huh. was, and they had a website where you could make a T-shirt. And I swear, I had more people buying the or donating to me just because I had a T-shirt that was like comfortable. Yeah. People, people tell me their wife still wear it. You like this is fifteen it. years later. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> like, why do you have a <laughs> grill shirt on? Uh, Your face. They're, they're they're hilarious. <laughs> they're one with my face, one with the state. But my point is, is that they were comfortable. They're the tri-blend. And yeah. nobody had those yet, really. I mean, it wasn't a big mm-hmm. deal. And so when you're talking about being in college, like, they, I still, like, look for those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in bookstores when you travel. But uh, that's cool. So the Lawrence store is a functional going. It's, it's all KU stuff, correct? I can't imagine you have yeah. any other stuff in there. Yeah. Maybe Chiefs? KU maybe stuff, Rose. some hometown stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much, it was kind of our test on, you know, will this work in a campus setting? Uh-huh. Is it something we could take to Columbia? 
Yeah. Um, and we're still kind of working through that. We just opened in April. Summer's pretty dead up there. And mm-hmm. So we're, we're figuring out ways to kind of bring people in. You know, basketball season just started, so that and we're kind of hopeful with that. But mm-hmm. it's more of a it's, – it's low risk. It's more of a cool marketing opportunity for us to really show off um, – all we do with KU. Mm-hmm. And you guys, when I met you, you hadn't done any of the licensing yet for the, for the most part. You might have had one or two colleges. What's that been like? Because a lot of people talk about that and how difficult it is to, to get yeah. licenses. And yeah. so you're creating all these T-shirts that are, you know, maybe you get a cease and desist, maybe you don't. But they're like right on that cusp to where, before you get a license, where if you have a team, like a, a burnt orange shirt or something, yeah. like Texas could say, well, that shirt's, a little bit too orange and too close to ours, but you guys actually went through the process to get all of the licensing from all these schools. Mm-hmm. How yeah. the heck did that happen? I mean, that was, that was the dream uh, overall, but uh, Wichita state was actually our very first license. And um, that was kind of a, a cool step. It was when Wichita state was kind of making their final four run um, and just as the underdog. And um, we had an uh, opportunity to kind of, um, get in with them on the licensing side, took it and ran with it. They wanted some cool stuff. They were kind of a smaller university, and I think a lot of the smaller schools, they don't have great access. You know, the consumer doesn't have great access to really cool mm-hmm. stuff. And um, so they gave us a shot, and um, it helped us grab some of the other schools. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we had, like, Baylor was next, and then K-State. And, How did that mm-hmm. happen, though? Did you guys, who who do you talk to for something like that? Like, Usually who's the person at the university? That, licensing director or someone in marketing. Yeah. So I remember you guys had someone that was doing that, and then you just you just do it to all the schools? It makes sense? Is that well, it it's actually Amanda Beasler. Yeah. Matt's <laughs> wife. She, yeah. Was, she was our second hire, really. Yeah. Um, and we knew we needed kind of that licensing help. Um, she that was her background, um, so she kind of had the relationships going a little bit already um, with the with the schools, athletic directors, yeah, um, whatever way you can get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and is a lot of them are like excited to have you do it, and some of them are like it's going to cost you this, but it's going to be a three year deal. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's it's the coolest part about it. I think is you know we started building kind of a portfolio of maybe a dozen schools. Yeah. Um, and now we have over 40 and people are coming to us, you know, Hey, can we get some of your stuff for like North Dakota state? You know, who knows? Who knows? Right. Yeah. They're, 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 they're kind of a big, big, uh, football program. Bison pride. I like it. And then they can put it in their bookstore and then yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So you guys, kind of caught lighting in a bottle with the KCR, but I've read something that, you know, everyone thinks about it from the Negro Leagues, and, and you said that there was something on the plaza also that, like, people had KCs and hearts on the walls in, like, the 1920s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Tell yeah. me about that. Where, how, I mean, I mean, so this is kind of a thing, and then they had, you know, you have the pens now. I mean, this has been around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the coolest thing. I think, what was it, uh, early 1900s, the railroad stations, the railroad tracks had a, um, a little Casey heart pin or is a heart and it just said Kansas city across it. That's cool. But we've always celebrated, you know, Casey being the heart of America. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just never really like explored it maybe on a t-shirt. 
mm-hmm. um, or on a on a flag or on a city yeah symbol or anything yeah. the mm-hmm. you know everyone most people know the monarchs patch um they had that when Jackie Robinson was playing for him they had the patch on the shoulder um even the plaza in the 1950s their light pole and we have one uh, a buddy of ours Chris Harrington from he West got Side one of Story. He, he found one in an antique auction. Oh, wow. And he just gave it to us. I was like, that is the coolest <laughs> thing because this, this helps tell the story. Mm-hmm. It's like we just brought the Casey Hart to prevalence mm-hmm. on a, a shirt. And I think it's more than anything, it's become our duty to protect that for yeah. Kansas City. There's mm-hmm. so much history about yeah. it that you people could, don't know about. Yeah. You could take this thing many different places. People have asked, why don't you do NY and LA? It's it's a, more about the Well Matt Baldwin did that. Yeah. With his hat, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't I don't know. I, I've no, I actually I saw one in New York when I was walking down the street so I had one on and I was I, I knew it was Baldwin immediately because mm-hmm. his being from here but yeah. But you're right. I mean it's kind of a hard and I kinda of wanted to talk to you about that because you know it's hard to recreate uh what you guys did here in other markets. That's yeah. kind of the, the yeah. The big thing that if you conquer that or figure that out, you know, that's a gold mine and that's a national. That's big our biggest. Time. That's our biggest challenge. Right but you're now. not in Cleveland. You're not in, you know, wherever Seattle. It's hard to. Mm-hmm. You didn't grow up there, you know. So yeah, there's a lot of um, great companies like us in other cities and in other areas um, that do really well. I think, you know, there's Homage out of Ohio. Um, there's now, have, you talked to these CEOs yet? have you talked to any I've CEOs talked, yeah i've talked to a few here and there yeah um and you know we're all kind of playing in our own markets but also trying to kind of branch out into others and our focus right now is to really own the middle of the map and try to apply the culture we've created here to maybe nebraska you know omaha mm-hmm. doesn't quite have that I, I think that's there. smart <laughs> i think that it's smart to the more that i talk to people on the show it's like whether you have a co-working space or whatever, like if you can do what you did in kind of more of those middle market cities yeah. that don't get the the love like the big mm-hmm. cities do. There's kind of a uncharted, uncharted territory there. Yeah, but I mean, there's so much passion and mm-hmm. and pride in these, I think, Midwest, you know. Um, and you guys now do more than T-shirts, too. Yeah. You've, you've really branched out into a lot of different other apparel and, yeah. mm-hmm. and accessories, yeah. right? Yeah, we're creating our own fleece, our own garments, actually, all across the board right now. We um, have a manufacturer in Los Angeles. That was a really long process to find just the right one. And yep. so... That's yeah, an we, interesting we industry. jogger <laughs> pants, crew neck, fleece, sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts. Seen joggers. Hats. I've seen your sweatpants. Yeah. 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 We even have a... Uh, uh, nobody knows us yet. This is the first. We actually have a, a Christmas sweater this year that's coming out, I think after Black Friday here. But um, always wanted to do it, something like this. And, you know, it's cool to see it come to fruition. And it looks, it looks good. It looks it's pretty so cool. good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to so fly out pretty fast. But, and uh, so all of those different things take a lot of effort, you know, with manufacturing. Yeah, I mean, you figured out how to do a T-shirt, obviously, pretty well, but actually making pants and, you know, fleece, like you said, and a sweatshirt and a hat, like, that's that's not easy, as people think it is. No. <laughs> and honestly, like, our first, 
last year was our first time with a whole collection of fleece and you know they weren't great um, we weren't good at it like we were with the t-shirt yet and but you keep refining and, and this year's collection is so much better mm-hmm. and um how many how many how many things do you have now for sale total like how many skews do you guys have we got over, hundreds right yeah, we got over a thousand skews, yeah. I think. um yeah our our warehouse has grown you know almost a hundred percent the last four years and now you you focus on steady growth so mm-hmm. you kind of i think a thousand skews is a, a ton so it's a lot you might right, even rein it back in on you know what's what's our real focus here and try to grow a long-lasting business that's awesome chase and holly are with me from charlie hustle we have one segment left on the last segment guys i want to talk to you about <clears throat> kind of some of your uh, biggest struggles biggest breaks uh branching out again out of the casey heart you know to try to grow uh your team size and uh, everyone's evolution in the company uh, and, and whatever else you want to talk about, maybe get some of your favorite spots here in Kansas City as well. You're listening to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM KMZ. Rocking around the Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. You're listening to a best of. Grill Nation. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. Appreciate you sticking with us today on 980 AM or on iTunes via podcast or on our website, grillnationshow.com. I'm your host, Jason Grill. I'm joined today by Andrew Miller, who's the president of Guy's Snacks, also the CFO of Spanish Gardens Food. Also with me today is Andrew Black, who's a treasury manager and in management at BOK Financial and MoBank. Guys, we've been talking about uh, all kinds of different things, Spanish Gardens, Guy's now. You just said at the end of that last seven that Guy's Potato Chips created the first barbecue chip. Is that tell us about that? That, uh, that on record. Yeah, that, that's that's that's, for, that's, that's, a of, that's a hell of a, a sales. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was the first uh, Guy Codwell was the first person to put barbecue on. It makes sense. Chips. I mean, we are a barbecue capital, and yeah, it was started uh, in the factory up there in uh, Liberty, Missouri, is where the factory was. Guys, once upon a time, I mean, it grew to it was a hundred million dollar company. Really, and it's wow. at, at its peak. Um, and then again, three sides to every story, right? I mean, it was sold to uh, a company who mismanaged it, uh, sold it, mismanaged, sold it, mismanaged. And, and, now, and, now, you're, and now you're a president of it. Huh? And now I'm president. <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness, it, it was it, it's it's new. New stocks were issued. It's 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 a new it's a new company. Uh, same recipe though. Same same name. So talk to us about how you kind of balance all this out. You know, it's it's a lot of work, a lot of entrepreneurial. Yeah, vision here. Uh, it's, you got a lot of goals, I'm assuming. Yeah, for, for this, sure. For this year, what what what's your growth look like? I mean, what are you? I know you mentioned a new factory at some point. Like, yeah, what, yeah. What, what, what are you doing here? Yeah, uh, I'd love to get a um, a guy's uh, factory up and going. But again, to to go cross spectrums here, um, we could. You know, there's a lot of potential for uh, to make other you know snacks. You know, cheese balls, pretzels. You're all about uh, different verticals, different lines, yeah, aren't you? For sure, absolutely. Yeah, um, vertical integration. But you really know, the barbecue this. chip will always be the biggest. Seller, yeah, right? well, I I assume. Yeah, and that's okay. Kind of like Boulevard, that's you know, the the wheat beer still is the number one seller. Right. I think I don't know. Maybe it's not anymore. But for a long time, it was. John McDonald was on the show once a few years ago. And he, yeah. He said we have all these new brands and new flavors, but everyone's the wheat still our number one seller. Sure. Now Tank Seven has grown greatly, but. 
you know, it's always that one thing yeah. that gets you started, well, right? Uh, Spanish Garden's mild. I mean, that's mm-hmm. bar none, our, our, our top seller over there on that side of things. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, the barbecue dominates our sales. I mean, to be honest. And then, like I said, the tasty mix comes in and then the rest are pretty even kill. You know, our no salt chip does really well too. Cause mm-hmm. there's not a lot, not a lot of competition for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, all about the verticals, man. Um, I, I would love to, a new factory that Andrew's going to pay for. Um, <laughs> and so we worked that loan out. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's get started on that. And then and, uh, from there we can, you know, we can blend other things, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I mean, there could be a guy's barbecue sauce, you know, there could be a, a guy's taco chip, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of cross marketing too. That's awesome. So, so talk to us about some of your, uh, some things you didn't expect along the way that have been kind of hurdles you've had to jump over in the, in both industries and businesses, you know, it's always good to hear from entrepreneurs to hear, not just all about all the successes, but what are some of the things that you didn't expect? Um, well, I didn't expect to really have, uh, on, on the Spanish garden side, we didn't really have a lot of barriers of entry to new to marketplaces. So that was great on the chip side. We're, we're hitting a little bit. I mean, Frito Lay is the big guy, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and if you, and if you go too far east, there's there's a lot of other guys, regional brands called you know obviously not guys, but whatever, whatever similar, yeah, similar, similar to guys. Um, so there's been that, but really the, the small bag, honestly, on those chips was was more of a headache than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I'm I'm glad it's coming to fruition, obviously. But um, why is that? Why was it a headache? It, uh, just getting just finding a, someone to manufacture it for me to put it in the small bags without my own plant right now. Um, to, to do the small bags, to have that vertical form machine to do the smaller bags. No one was really willing to do it. And that su- surprised me. Mm. Uh, if I owned a and machine, I, a big, I want it running all the time. The small bags are a big deal. Apparently. Yeah. 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 So, um, which makes me all the more excited for it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do remember the guy's small bags growing up too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to come out with about th- probably three flavors to start and then just keep rolling them out after that. Um, but on the, on the Spanish garden side, you know, it, I've, I've been lucky to have some, you know, my mom's been a great mentor, uh, my aunt as well. Uh, Talk to me about that. Kansas City, you've, you've had a lot of mentors, yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs, business connections, some of your rockers, friends. I sure. Mean, you, you continually seem to me just that you're trying to, like, become a better business owner. Sure. No, I, I um, you know, probably a lot of people are going to laugh when I say this, but, you know, I like to listen mm-hmm. uh, as much as I like to talk. Yeah, you uh, mentioned that off air. What's and that? you're in a CEO group and you listen. Yeah, more yeah. You, more than you add. Right. You like to, you like to absorb. Yeah, for sure. Which for is sure. a good thing. No, I, I love it. Most uh, people don't do that. Yeah. I, I, I'm a, I like to be the smartest guy in the room sometimes, but sometimes I, I like to not be. And that's, and that's how you grow, you know, for me. But there's a, there's a lot of smart people there. The Kansas City business community is great. I mean, you mentioned like Boulevard, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Stack. I mean, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of great Kansas City brands and, and a lot of people that have, I've seen a lot of things I haven't seen and to get, uh, to be able to listen to them talk about it and, and, um, openly tell me, you know, the, the don't do that or that's a good idea or, Ooh, you might really want to think about that. You know, it's, it's great. It, it, it's they're, great. They're pretty open, right? Yeah. 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 They're very giving with their information, which, you know, hopefully one day I can return the favor. If, when did the restaurant close for Spanish gardens? Oh, uh, man, I'm going to butcher before, this. Before you were there, right? Yeah, no, at well before I was there, 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the early, early mid-70s, pretty much simultaneously um, with the factory opening. Okay. It was, so my grandfather was smart enough to 
know that he couldn't do both at once. I I haven't learned that lesson. You mentioned the a lot of these restaurants in Kansas City, you know, they, they go the opposite direction. So they have they have the restaurant and then they like for instance, let's take the roastery. Mm-hmm. You know, Danny O'Neill will I would assume most of his profits he's come on the show come from his his wholesale. Sure. <laughs> and his his, you know, catering right. is it's in every everywhere. You know, I mean, more so than is walking in the door and selling me a, a black coffee uh, with a storefront. And it seems to me that the way you're doing it with kind of more the unsexy route with the wholesale, with the distributorship, with growing like that would be, is more, uh, there's better margins. There's better potential than sure. you having a, a yeah. Spanish gardens restaurant. Right, know? right. And, le- and less headache, right? Um, that being said, though, th- I have been approached um, – by uh, people in the restaurant business that would, would gladly, you know, pay a royalty for the name, you mm-hmm. know, and to open a Spanish garden restaurant. Uh, so I'm not completely ruling that yeah, out right. at all. As long as you don't have to go in every day. Right. I'm not the guy, <laughs> I'm not the guy you call when you run out of lime. So, you know, <laughs> as long as I'm clear about that, that that's fine. But I think that's a, a great, and as long as obviously the food quality has got to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's great, a great marketing tool. Um, Honestly, uh, and as we're talking about expanding, you know, out of Kansas City, yeah, yeah, dropping a restaurant in in a city, you know, I I don't know, you know, I've I've thought about keep all your options up. Yeah, absolutely, it could go it could go either way. Is it easier to bring the sauce in and then the restaurant, or have people like the restaurant then bring the sauce in? Mm -hmm. I don't know. A lot of uh, a lot of money is going to be needed for this, uh, Andrew Black. You better start writing some loans here with MoBank, BioCo Financial, man. You're going to have all this growth, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) We got about a minute left, guys. I really appreciate you coming on the show today uh, and talking about these brands. Again, you can you can find Spanish Gardens online at SpanishGardensFoods.com. They're all over social media as well. I think you guys are really doing a good job with that. Also, Guys Snacks is at GetGuysChips.com. And uh, Andrew, what is the website for the bank? Is it it's just MoBank.com? MoBank.com or BOKFinancial.com. Very cool. Well, I appreciate the partnership each and every month. Uh, Andrew Miller, it's been great meeting you today. Congrats on all your success, man. Uh, I'm hoping that we run into each other again soon. I'm definitely going to go out and get some uh, barbecue guys and some uh, Spanish Gardens Mild here soon. Absolutely. And enjoy that, uh, you know, and keep up the good work. And I'm excited to, uh, to to see how you guys are doing, man. It's really cool. So I appreciate Andrew Miller and Andrew Black coming on the Grill Nation show today. Thank you for having us. We'll see you next week again on the Grill Nation show. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Uh-huh.